You're listening to the Popzar Podcast. It's movie time. That's right, it's movie time. Welcome back to the Popzara Podcast. Movie time, that's with a giant fat exclamation art podcast. It's where we talk about movies, we talk about all things film. And for that, this is Nathan Evans, managing editor of Popzara.com, talking about movies with special guests. No, you're not a special guest, you're a co-host, darn it. What's up, Ethan Bram, welcome back. How's it going? Thanks for having me again. Special guest. Well, you are a special. Yeah. And you are I, always my guest when yeah. you come by. I'm your guest. So I'm your. I'm yeah. a special guest. We're all we're special. Both, we're co-special guests. We're co-specialing. It's like we're co-parenting. Does that ever work? Uh, Co-parenting? I, I wouldn't know. I don't know. I don't want to know either. I think, I think that's like an experiment where you find out your kid's going to be in jail. Yeah. And you're like, oh no, you get him out this time. That's co-parenting. Who pays the bail? Yeah. Who pays for the therapy? Welcome back, Ethan. Uh, we are talking about movies on this Movie Time podcast as usual, but this is one of those singular movies where we, instead of contrasting two very similar, very dissimilar movies, we just pick one and go for it. And this time you got to pick, and I got to tell you, thank you. This is a doozy because it's a big one, and we've been holding off on this one for a very long time. Take it away. What are we talking about this time? Today we're talking about the 1995 iconic mm-hmm. unparalleled toy story unparalleled except for the other three well i mean <laughs> so, this one's this one's still unparalleled though it's like uh, real quick you ever notice with the toy story films there's always a scene when woody and buzz just like talk to each other and say we're going to be we're going to stick it out to the end we're going to see this through yeah yeah it's like and until the fourth one where they undo everything and woody yeah, runs away yeah, the fourth one's not a bad, not a bad movie, but it's not uh, on the level of the other three for sure. That's pretty true. Uh, Toy Story Four is like the Terminator Three of the Toy Story movies. Like, it's not as good as the first three. Yeah. But it has its charms, and it's worth watching, if only yeah. for the ending. Tell us about Toy Story nineteen ninety five. Pretty much everyone's seen this movie, but for those who haven't, it's about. A young boy named Andy, and he has toys. I don't even know if he doesn't even have toys. This, it, it's, it exists in a world where toys come to life when their owners are not, human owners are not there. You know what's funny? It wasn't, I will give the fourth movie credit, though. The fourth movie was the only movie out of the four to address the fact that the toys are alive. Hmm. Remember with, was it Sporky? Forky. Forky. Sorry, Forky. See, I forgot. But no, Forky, the best character in the movie. Yeah. Uh, remember at the very last scene, the very last scene during the credits, like, how am I alive? <laughs> yeah, it just, it just like, totally, like, <laughs> messes with the rules. Like, you can just make a toy and he magically comes alive. They br- they brought, like, before in the first three movies, it's just, like, a understood reality. But in the fourth one, there's, like, a magical element that they just decided to include. That yeah. was a young girl made of a fork with eyes and a mouth, and now it, it can talk and is sentient. Now, is Forky – okay, real quick. I, I really got to know this because I feel like a fool. Is Forky a fork or is Forky a spork? Ooh. I have – I should know this because my son has a couple Forky little figures, and I'm trying to look around the living room you to know, see if there's one on the floor. You could, ma- you could make a Forky for like 99 cents. In yeah, fact, but, you can make it for you free. you can go to the Disney store and buy one for $35. That's true. and But it's official, which means it's probably going to break, and it's probably not going to last, and you can't even eat with it. That's the problem. That's, That's the problem. 
but no, let's let's go back to where things were bright and gay and fun and happy and sing along and fun, fun, fun. Let's go back to the '90s. So, tell us a little bit about why you chose this film. Why Toy Story? Why? Why? Um, well, part of it is the fact that I've, in the last two years, I've probably watched Toy Story 25 times. Um, there was a point during the pandemic where we were just watching it at least two, three times a week. I've, I have a four-year-old, mm-hmm. and and well, my other son wasn't born yet, or he was too young to care. But now, I mean, and we still, I mean, I watched it three days ago. Just my son said, I want to watch Toy Story, and so we watched Toy Story. And so it's just one of those movies that, you know, when you watch a movie enough times the amount of analysis that goes into it is insane because you start thinking about it like you watch a movie for the first time and you write a review or you review it to your friends or you analyze it based off your first impression you watch it a second time and it's a little bit it opens up a little bit more you watch something 20 30 times and it's like a different dimension and for me every time i watch toy story and i've watched a lot of movies several like kids movies disney movies whatever multiple times when you you know with with my kids and toy story is the only one where i get super pumped when it gets put on and it's the one i've seen the most times i love watching toy story it never gets old every single scene is to me fantastic ethan we have to be careful because you are tiptoeing not quite (laughs) over the line of psychosis but when you're talking when you're talking about a movie that you've seen dozens of times into another dimension (laughs) like you're four steps away from being in a cult Okay, here, can I say one thing, though? <laughs> yeah. This is, I mean, am I wrong, though? It is, it is. I no, mean, it's, it's, no, no, it's... no, 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 no. You're, you're, in fact, if anything, you're not doing the movie justice. Um, okay, cool. This is a movie you can watch 50 times, you can watch 100 times, you can watch one time. And I still think one time is enough to get the message that I think the filmmakers wanted you to have, which is, it's okay to use your imagination. And I think... I think subsequent movies, Toy Story 2 and especially Toy Story 3, really build on that foundation that, you know, everyone gets older, it's okay to let go, it's okay to to remember your childhood. But I think the first one is, uh, and I wrote about this too when I was writing my notes, I don't know if you agree, but this is a film that was directed by John Lasseter, correct? And you you look at the credited uh, story people, you have John Lasseter, Pete Docter, Andrew Stanton, John Ranfit. Your favorite. Oh, yeah. Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon. By the way, if you listen to the commentary, a lot of his stuff got thrown out. Like, he wanted to put sex jokes in there. Really? Yeah, like, there was one scene um, where Mr. Potato Head's eyeball would pop out and would go under Bo Peep's dress. Like, there's a lot of stuff in there. And by the way, he literally – and by the way, it proves my point. You know know the Josh Whedon rule is that he's so one-dimensional, all his ideas are the same. Kick butt female warrior in front of a team. He wanted Bo Peep to be a warrior. And go and on an adventure to save Woody. So, so basically, Toy Story Four. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but keep in mind, Whedon probably had a lot more cachet with Disney in 2019 than he does oh, yeah. right now, which he has zero cachet. Um, but I'll say this: you look at these guys, and they're all guys, right? Mm-hmm. Not, nothing, nothing against, nothing against all guys. But you look at these people, and Toy Story is a middle-aged fantasy about yeah. grown men being able to reminisce about nostalgia. And I think particularly with John Lasseter, um, you look at this man, I mean, we'll get into him later, but he wears, you know, he's basically, he was the second coming of Walt Disney for a lot of people. Yes. And he shows up with his big Hawaiian shirts. He, he was basically a YouTube streamer before there was such a thing. Like he'd have walls and walls and walls of toys and collectibles, like so much, so much. 
he would do the speeches. This is what he was born to do. He was born for yeah. this. And Toy Story, I think, is a, is a manifestation of that. And I think it's appropriate. And I think we've all felt like this to some extent about, you know, our, our inanimate objects that animate in our own heads, in our own imaginations. And um, it's fantastic. And I, yeah. I remember watching <clears throat> Toy Story in theaters when it came out. I was six years old, and I'm an only child. And um, when you're an only child, you imagine your toys in a different way than I assume people who have siblings imagine their toys when they play with them. You kind of, it's more, it's more of like this, like, uh, this, like, talk about uh, psychological issues. Like, you start thinking of your toys as their real life. And so when I saw Toy Story when I was six years old, I was like, this is, I mean, I knew it was, it was not real, but you know, it's, it, it validated those like subconscious yeah. uh, wish desires and I remember, I remember seeing it the first time. I've seen this movie a lot of times, and I remember seeing it the first time. And it was the first movie that I saw, kids movie that I saw, where the audience was, just, and, and probably the last kids movie I saw for years until Shrek, where the audience was just roaring, mm -hmm. like roaring. And we saw it opening weekend, and it was a line out the theater, like to get into the theater. Mm -hmm. We get in, literally the audience is, the whole, to every joke, it hits. I remember, I watch the movie now and I remember every joke and how it hit. And it's just the insane impact that this kid's movie, and the jokes were, not, it's not like these jokes were adult jokes. I mean, there's a couple where, you know, he's kissing his butt with the, <laughs> with the lips and stuff. But I mean, there's, these are really, they're tame jokes, but they're just so clever. And the writing in this movie, the dialogue in this movie is just insanely good, uh, let alone for a kid's movie, just for a movie in general. And on top of it, and that's not even getting into the fact that this premise is like changed the formula for animated movie. It, changed, well, it redefined high concept, basically. Let's um, I want to I want to go back a little bit before you were born, like pre embryonic state. Yeah. And um, by the way, when you were telling me the story about how you have to watch these things with your kids all the time. My question was, did you ever do it in utero? Like, did you ever, like, put your wife's pregnant belly up to the TV and say, you're going to like this? No, uh, I did not. I, <laughs> I, I did sing songs, but not Toy Story. <laughs> well, like, I remember there was a story with, uh, well, who's the singer of Coldplay? Is it Chris Martin? Yes. And, you know, Chris Martin, let's be fair, whether you like Coldplay or not, Chris Mar uh, Coldplay has has been desperately auditioning to be the next U2 for a very long time. And there was a time when he would not shut up about his love for you two. And he talked about, oh, when my wife was pregnant, I think it was uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. When she was pregnant, oh, I made her listen to this U2 album, Unforgettable Fire, over and over and over again. <laughs> like, yeah, now your kid hates you too because you love it. <laughs> like, Dad, I hate this damn song. Go back to the 80s, going back specifically to like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Like, believe it or not, the, the, the 1980s were an interesting time because – you literally had cartoons on Saturday morning and on after school that were designed to sell toys. And you did not really have that dynamic before. It was an FCC violation to have that. Um, it was Marvel Comics um, who partnered with uh, toy manufacturers that got around it. So they would sell – so the, the cartoons were actually selling the comic book as opposed to the toy. Like G.I. Joe. Yeah. That yeah, was like, yeah. Exactly. You look at G.I. Joe in the 1980s. That's not the G.I. Joe your parents grew that up That was with. Marvel too, right? Wasn't mm -hmm. Marvel – did Marvel yep. do G.I. Joe? Yeah. Transformers, everything. In fact, I, I believe Transformers was the first Marvel movie, like the animated movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, the one with um, Orson Welles. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy. Orson Welles' last movie, by the way, people. Suck it. So <laughs> – but no, it's it's funny because you have Toy Story. If you think about it, 
what is what is the story if not like a version of like the Nutcracker Prince? You know, it's the idea of sure. inanimate objects coming alive and, and interacting. But of course, instead of interacting with the human, they interact with each other. They have a private life. You and I discussed this briefly, but I'll I'll say it. So there's really two ways to talk about Toy Story, Ethan. We can talk about Toy Story, the movie, and talk about what makes it great and talk about all the accolades it deserves, right? Or we could talk about the making of Toy Story, which is epic. It's one of the great Hollywood stories of all time because it led to a revolution. My question is, we would be here for 10 10 hours. This would be like a Netflix documentary if we did that. What do you think we should focus on? Should we focus on the movie itself? Should we focus on the making? Or do you think a little bit of both? A little bit of both, I think. I think it's. Uh, I think there's probably not a lot of people who are who are actually discussing the movie itself these days, and mm-hmm. I think it's kind of also an interesting conversation to have. Okay. Um, well, I'll start off. Know. What do you think? I th- I think you're right. I think I think the problem is the movie's so damn interesting. Like, yeah, I know it is. I have so many <clears throat> notes here. Well, I'll just say this: uh, if you listen to the commentary, if you listen to a lot of the dialogue about Toy Story, the creators themselves compare themselves a little bit to NASA scientists in the fact that they were they they you know in a in a non-condescending way where they said yeah we were too young and stupid to know we were doing the impossible and that's what it was it was the like people talk about Toy Story being the first CG movie but not really though I mean it is the first CG movie but feature film but you don't really think about that when you think of Toy Story you just remember it being a really good movie and yeah. and sort of the re- and sort of like a second coming of of Disney and Hollywood in general. What do you think? Do you want to start with the making of, or do you want to start with the actual film? Well, start with the making of a little bit. I mean, okay. you probably know more about that than I do. Um, I know you're doing. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I know about it, but you got to be careful with this stuff because I, you've, you listen to movie podcasts and YouTube videos. Like so many of them, just sort of devolve into just facts yeah. about like, oh, I listened to the commentary. Did you know that on the scene? Yeah, screw that. Um, yeah, it's like. Yeah, I read the Wikipedia article too. I don't need you to regurgitate it to me. But uh, let's just talk about this. Let's let's go. To, let's just cut to the case. Brave Little Toaster, nineteen eighty-seven. Have you seen Brave Little Toaster? I saw it when I was a kid a few times. I had it on VHS. Um, I haven't seen it in probably fifteen years, at least. Sure. TLDR for anybody who's just catching up. A bunch of computer nerds in Palo Alto and Silicon Valley wanted, had dreams of becoming the first computer animated uh, company to go Big Ten. They wanted to do a feature film. That was Ed Catmill. That was all the people at Pixar. But before they were Pixar, they were known as another company. I forget the name off time. See, my research is flubbed. Uh, long story short, they were making CG for George Lucas and Lucasfilm. Yeah. George Lucas wasn't really impressed with it. He thought the future was still in something else. Uh, to my knowledge, the only thing they really ever did, they did the explosion scene in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, the, with the Project Genesis. Mm-hmm. And they did a uh, little work on one of Spielberg's films, uh, uh, TV shows, I think, The Young Sherlock Holmes, I think. But for the most part, Lucas said, nah, I'm good. So sold the company to Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is like, I just got fired from Apple. I need something to do with my money. And he did it. He fixed it up. And partnership formed with Disney. But before then, the most important piece was the Brave Little Toaster. Um, do you know anything about Brave Little Toaster? It's been forgotten. Like, was nobody talks one? about okay, it. Okay, so if I remember the story correctly, it goes mm-hmm. that Lasseter tr- pitched it to Disney. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want it yeah, or the- something. And so he sold it. So I mean, since then Disney has like bought the rights to it or whatever. But he sold it to like one. I don't know who the company. Is. Kind of. It's not available on Disney Plus, but the sequels yeah. are. Yeah, it's, I know it's weird. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, who did he? Who did he uh, pitch it with? It was. You're right. It was John Lasseter and somebody else. Uh, someone of noteworthy. I'll I'll get the name here in a second. Hyperion was the company. Well, what happened was he wanted to make a CG movie, and instead they made a demo reel for where the wild things are. And apparently, the story is very convoluted. But apparently, Lasseter went around his bosses and tried to override their decision. And when that didn't fly with Disney, he was fired. He was let go. And Disney had the rights to Brave Little Toaster, and they contracted it out to this, uh, believe it or not, it was an animation studio, like you said, Hyperion, who was made from Disney animators. And the goal was to make Disney to make animation on the cheap. This is before they started farming out the animation to Japanese uh, studios to do all those direct-to-DVD videos. Um, have, have You said you've seen Brave Little Toaster. Have you seen it in the last 20 years? Probably, that's probably pushing it. Okay. I, I, I remember loving it when I was a kid. I loved it too. I, oh, I loved I've it too. I've seen it a few times, and I remember it being, it was so weird, and I remember loving that it was so weird. It's basically Pixar. It's the first Pixar film before it was Pixar, but instead of CG, it was it was hand-drawn. The problem is the animation's very poor. Yeah. Let's just get over it. The animation quality, very poor. It's got an all-star cast. It's got John Lovitz. It's got um, Phil Hartman. It's got It's got a lot of people that you either know or you don't know. But basically, the most important thing is a lot of people who worked on Brave Little Toaster went to Pixar, and the guy who wrote the movie was Joe Rand, uh, Ranfit, who wrote every yeah. Pixar movie, including Toy Story, up until he passed away from a car accident in 2006. Yeah. If you watch Toy Story, I'm excuse me, if you watch Brave Little Toaster right now, even you will literally think, I don't know how to say this, that uh, <laughs> that Toy Story was plagiarizing Brave Little Toaster, like hmm. almost. Beat for beat, the stories are the same. Almost exactly. Yeah. It's hard to clip in a podcast, but there's, like, at the beginning, it's about a bunch of appliances who have been abandoned, who become alive when no humans around, and they miss their master, the boy, who went away and grew up. And the brave, the toaster itself is the leader. She's She or he's the Woody. They literally have meetings about how to conduct the day, just like Toy Story. And eventually they have to they have to go and find the master, and they have adventures. So there's even... There's even a compactor scene that's reminiscent from Toy Story 3. And the movie's terrifying, by the way. It's really yeah. terrifying. It's a musical. The music's pretty good, actually. Um, the performances are pretty good. The animation's poor. Uh, the plotting is not quite there. It's definitely the predecessor to Toy Story. In both story, story scope, ambition, and I think heart. I think Brave Little Toaster has a lot of heart. Yeah, I've, I've heard uh, people make comparisons to it before. Maybe it was you. It, it's interesting, because I, rem- I, I want to say I've heard a story that they were trying to put music in Toy Story. And I can't remember if that how much of that is true, but um, I, I think that was a movie they were trying to put music in it, and then someone said, no, yeah. we're not putting music in this. Because Disney Disney animated movies uh, made money based on the music, like coming off yeah. of, especially coming off of um, The Lion King, yes. which became the most successful animated movie of all time, and the licensing for the music was extraordinary. And so the I forget the who said it, but there was a decision made that the characters were not going to break into song, that the music was going to be uh, uh, incidental, not um, oh what do you guys call it diegetic? Like it's not yeah non diegetic. Yeah exactly. Yeah it's it's going to be there to further the story, which is genius by the way because yeah. they were able to integrate that into the storytelling in fantastic ways. So, because the movie, the movies do eventually break down in song. It's just not well, the way you think. Well, and here it here it is too. Is that um, you are you're already asking a lot of the audience to believe that these toys come to life, and now you're going to ask them to believe that they also just know all the words to these songs, like 
you know, like just they happen to just all know the words of this song spontaneously. So I mean, I think, I mean that that might I might be overstating that, but at the same time, I think that also has to do with it, and it kind of takes away from the authenticity of what this story is trying to do, and it removes it, it's a subconscious, it's one more removal. Um, subconsciously, at least, from the the uh, like the verisimilitude of of what's happening on screen. Also, um, it also helps that the movie was inspired and basically structured like a buddy's movie, buddy movie. Yeah. Um, very specifically, the filmmakers actually cite uh, movies like Forty Eight Hours, Full Metal Jacket, Platoon, and Midnight cool. Run, and Midnight Run <laughs> as inspiration. And. <laughs> And that's so funny because if you think about it now, if you think about the cast of the movie, specifically um, Tom Hanks and, and Tim Allen, if you think about it, if you think about the, the, you know, the genres of film these guys grew up with, these guys did not grow up with like necessarily classy. They grew up with men movies, boy movies. This is a boy film. Let's mm-hmm. be honest here. This is a boy film all the way through, which they corrected a little bit in the other ones. But um, yeah, like I was telling you before, there's like there was a very specific scene that was inspired by Arnold Schwarzenegger hitting a, hitting a bad guy with his own severed arm. And it's like, okay, let's make a children's film out of this. And you could. And it turns out yeah. it's a children's film, but it's also a film for adults. Because I think, I mean, on paper, if you think about it, isn't this a movie about nostalgia? Oh, yeah. And it transcends the movie itself to become like, I remember seeing the third movie. I went to the midnight showing with mm-hmm. my now wife, and we saw it at midnight, and it was packed because of what Toy Story, not just how good it is, but what it meant for us growing up. I mean, it it added a whole other layer to the third movie. And, I mean, I, I've i seen the second one a bunch of times too, but the third one just – I mean, I know we're not going to get into a lot we of the no, we'll, we'll We can talk a little bit about it because I, I do think they exist, and that's the problem. But – I, I think if they're at, at the very least, they're worth just mention. It's worth mentioning that that they're evidence of the transcendence of what Toy Story is. And there's yes. very few movies that can transcend like this, like Star Wars can. It's a cultural phenomenon. Or like, I'm trying to think of another one that would like be on the same level. Maybe there's not another one on the same level as Toy Story and Star Wars for different reasons, obviously. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny. The Star Wars and Toy Story share a lot of DNA, by the way. Yes, um, Harry Potter is probably another one too. You know what's funny? It's um, what's really funny is that if you look at the trajectory of big blockbusters, including Star Wars, it usually goes. And I I think this is a cultural flaw, by the way, we have as a civilization. You have Star Wars, and then twenty years later you have prequels, and you have Lord of the Rings, and ten years later you have prequels. You have the Harry Potter movies, and then ten years later you have prequels. You have the Star Wars movies again, and you finally get sequels, but immediately we go back to prequels. <laughs> and everything goes prequels. It's because it's a lot easier to play in someone else's sandbox yeah. and write fan fiction than it is to go forward. And I think what the Toy Stories movies do, um, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, I can only name you one other movie series that does this as successfully, and that's Terminator. Whereas, not the third one necessarily, but the first two. You have you have these movies, Ethan, that build off each other and go forward with new ideas, new concepts, and re- with as opposed to just reworking the original concept. Yeah. And you have you have something magical. And I think the only other movie trilogy that that successfully has ever done that a trilogy would be like the first Star Wars trilogy. But yes. but as far as movies where successive sequels, and I'm not the first one to say this, by the way. Other people have compared Toy Story to, to Terminator as well. Um, the idea is that you have something, 
you like for example Star Wars was always built to be a trilogy it was always always built to be a, a continuing franchise I don't think Toy Story was this I think the necessities of money and Disney's marketing probably um, dictate and if you know the story of Pixar then you know that Michael Eisner and the people at, at Disney were threatening to make sequels if Pixar didn't play along you knew this right like Disney actually built an entire animation studio and started working on Toy Story 3 without Pixar oh my goodness that's yeah. like well they did that with planes it's crazy. Oh yeah, planes. We don't forget. You know everything we like about worst Pixar. Worst Disney movie ever, by the way. Yeah, we don't talk about planes. Um, I don't know if it's the worst though. I I think I have a contender for oh, the worst. It's so bad. You know, actually, I mean, it, it might, okay, it's definitely bottom two. I don't well, know what, what I don't even know. I I don't because well, I don't consider planes an actual Pixar movie. I, no, no, no. I mean, it's the worst Disney movie. Uh, I'll are say you, this. Were you thinking Encanto? <laughs> No, Encanto is harmless. It's, yeah, I know it. It, it really is harmless. It's, it's got I, one good song. Planes is just it. Yeah, Planes is it's talk about playing in someone else's sandbox. I just... I think the worst Pixar movie, um, basically is a tie. I think the worst Pixar film, and we don't have to get into this too much, but I think it's yeah. either The Good Dinosaur, mm-hmm. which is a m- monumental disappointment on many reasons, conceptually and and even stylistically. But I think if you really had me like you know, nail an answer to the wall, it would be Cars 3. Oh, oh yes, 100%. Yeah. And I, think, I don't know which one yeah. came out first. It was around the same time. Both of those were kind of the moment, I think, when people were like, oh, okay, Pixar is not a perfect studio. Because before, I mean, look at their run initially. I yes. mean, whether or not you you love the movies, you can't. It's undeniable that they were good movies. I mean, you, you had Toy Story, Toy Story 2, Bugs Life, or Bugs Life, then Toy Story 2. Then you had, I think, Monsters, well, Inc. Well, we talked about... Nemo, um, Oh my gosh, like the run that they had is it, it paralleled what Disney was doing in their renaissance, but this is a brand new studio just going for it. We know when they when they were uh, getting lessons on how to be good animators and everything. They actually hired some of the the original nine old men to help instruct oh, yeah, instruct so them. Cool. You know, but um but no, the history of Pixar is very very simple is that um Steve Jobs brought them to Disney and they created something called Caps which is computer animation program, which basically made uh, doing cell animation a lot cheaper and more efficient. And But it just so happened that when you look at the rise of Disney's renaissance and the, you know from Little Mermaid onward, it's Pixar-related. Like some of the most impressive parts of the Disney animated films were Pixar creations, the ballroom scenes, the lava scenes in Aladdin. You know, you had, you had incredible things, and that was the deal that got them Toy Story. Basically, Steve Jobs put his foot down. He said, Jeffrey Katzenberg, if you don't, let us make this animated film. You're going to lose us, and he balked. And you got to give Jobs credit, though. I mean, he he knew how to he knew what he was doing. He you know he couldn't program a computer, but he knew art when he saw it. And he and he really pushed Lasseter as the forefront of Pixar. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, you have two dudes who are like. I mean, people talk about Walt Disney, and they're like, oh, he never directed any of his movies. But it's like you do understate what the producer's job is. He mm-hmm. assembles the team. He has the vision. He has the um the where you know just the wherewithal and the balls to just go for an idea um and you see that i mean you if you see saving mr banks which i i like saving mr banks and it really kind of shows the beauty that goes behind i think disney's best movie ever um you are talking about and, you're talking about mary poppins yes talking yeah. about mary poppins um yeah and, and you and, and obviously john lasseter did direct this movie and he directed a couple others 
and you, if there's a really noticeable shift and when he left. Yes. I think that was, it, it, it became like a little bit uh, like circle jerky by the time Cars 3 came around. And Well, Lasseter's influence on not just Disney or Pixar animation, but animation as a whole is like undeniably easily probably the second most influential person in animation history after Disney, probably yeah. right above Miyazaki as well. You know, Hayao Miyazaki, who, by the way, yeah. who himself was was uh, promoted by Lasseter. It's crazy. But no, I mean, we're, I mean, like I said, we could talk about Pixar all day long, and we could have 40 volumes of this, because they deserve it. But but going back to Toy Story, though, um, this is where it all began. Like, not maybe, I mean, they had animated shorts before then, but this is something special. And you said you saw this in the theater. Mm-hmm. You were six years old. Yeah. A six-year-old doesn't need to have 20 years of fandom to understand what they're seeing is something unique. And I'm wondering, my, my question to you is not about the movie, but a, a question about today, because you're a father now, right? Mm-hmm. Do kids really play with toys anymore? Well, my kids do. The way, like, I went to the toy store the other day. I went to Best we Buy. Don't give, we, well, we don't give my kids an iPad, so. Okay. But so many toys are related to iPads and yeah, to phones. We, yeah. My, my wife is an early child development major. She has a mm-hmm. bachelor's in early child development. So she's very, like, anti those. Like, she knows the toys that are – we get – we've gotten toys uh, several uh, – I mean, probably about a dozen times, and we've literally just either mm-hmm. returned them or sold them or well, threw them in the trash can. You look at the toys in Toy Story, and it's a kind of a – and we, know, we'll get into the conspiracy theories later because there are conspiracy theories about Toy Story. Um, it's a mix of 50s toys, 60s toys, 70s toys. You don't have a lot like, – maybe because of licensing, you don't have, like, almost anything from the 80s. Um, you have Buzz yeah. Lightyear sort of Buzz Lightyear like amalgamates the Transformers, the GI Joes, the Skyhawks, all that stuff. He's just the space toy. But even then, in later movies, they refer to like almost pejoratively like this, you know, as the space toys from Sputnik and all that. The question is, isn't it strange that Toy Story was a technical marvel in 1995, and nowadays we have so many kids who literally only play with silicon? only play with computers like you know they manipulate things in minecraft they play among us they play all that stuff like uh, i visited my family a couple months ago and i had a nine-year-old excuse me eight-year-old niece who really wanted to show me the level she made on minecraft on her iphone but there's not a single toy in her house like there's no toys it's like everything exists digitally and they're they're manipulating it with their mind and i'm it's it's such a it's so weird to go into a room full of 10 kids and they're all like their necks are all down looking at phones yeah, I, I think that's almost a reflection of the appearance um, oh, yes. necessity <laughs> of, for the devices. So, like, when I, you know, when we, when we watch TV with our kids, uh, which is almost exclusively what they want to watch, unless it's like basketball, because we're a basketball. Well, they are the but, bo- they are the boss. Yeah, you know, we let them pick what they want to watch. We have one TV. We don't do two TVs. We don't, and and we have this thing that we don't uh, go on our phones mm-hmm. uh, when when we're watching TV with them, when we're playing with them, and so. It kind of like establishes this lack of uh, of desire for us to use our devices, and so because of that, we don't feel like we need them to have a device while they're doing those things. And I get some people have everyone has a different story and a different life. I, I like I'm not trying of course. To, insult anyone but i am also saying that it's oh i'm gonna insult them you guys it, need to get off your damn phone I, I was gonna say yeah but it is important not to be on yeah. your phone while, while your kids are, are watching tv and to actually watch the tv with them because especially nowadays i mean there's some stuff out there you probably want well you know what they do though though they also like a lot of stuff like a lot of kid stuff has it's so fr- it's so fractal 
that they have QR codes on the show. You're supposed to like I was at the theater and you had to scan the theater like oh, the QR code so, so you can play a VR game while you're waiting for the movie and it's like put your damn but then you know what's funny? So you have this commercial like oh scan the screen or you can play this game. But then it's like then you have like a two minute PSA is put your phone off. Like what is it? What do you want? Like you want these people on your phone or not? But it's Shazam this song in the oh, in the Jesus. trailer. It is such bliss to go into a movie theater again and have the lights come down and you you're focused on the film. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're oh just, yeah, the yeah. new Bev in, in L.A. We took our kids to see Mary Poppins actually, mm-hmm. and um, they're very. I don't know if you ever been to the new. It's a quick, no, and I've you bragged about it, but I've never been. Yeah. Maybe maybe he, maybe this summer. Like, they have a super strict no phone policy. If they see a light on the phone, they'll knock you out. I mean, they'll oh knock by you the out. way, they'll kick you out. Speaking of uh, Tarantino, uh, in 2010, he said Toy Story three was the best film of 2010. Oh. Yes, I yeah. mean, it, if it, I, I honestly don't know, I went one that year for Best Picture, King's Speech, I think, um, which is a good movie, great movie. Um, Toy Story three was the film of the year by Toy Story by, by is the a best, major I mean, the stretch. Best movie that came out that year. It's not even like, yeah, it's not even close. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's move up to the sequels in a second, but because yeah. because there's going to be some accolades there. But but going back to going back to the whole idea of nostalgia, like on, on the surface, you have a very very basic story. Of you know of supplant of supplant of supplantation of a of a boss being supplanted by a new shinier bit better thing, and about what that means, and yeah. it's it's such a basic simple story. And, and I go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, go I was going to say I think that's why it works so well. Yeah, and in the I I, I mean I've <laughs> I've written about this in reviews that you've edited several mm-hmm. times probably improved. <laughs> The, fir- the no. first, yeah, the first twenty minutes scene. That one, it's one scene. It's it's one event going on for the first twenty minutes of that movie. Is my favorite opening scene in any movie. It mm-hmm. sets up this. I mean, you. It's it, it starts off with Andy playing with these toys. The toys are not alive yet. You he, you watch him playing make believe with these toys. He goes downstairs. He does the whole thing. He bring he comes back upstairs, puts Woody back with his toys, and then he run. Andy leaves the room. Toy Woody comes to life. The toys come to life. They do their whole thing. You see the dynamic with Woody and the other toys. You also see his dynamic pr- prior to that with Andy, with his with his with his kid. Mm-hmm. You know instantly what's happening there. And then the birthday party happens. Uh, they get Buzz Lightyear, and then you meet Buzz Lightyear, and then the, the dynamic shifts in an instant. In the same scene, by the way, <laughs> this is a twenty minute scene. It's insane what they do. What they do here, the the cinematic power that John Lasseter just commands in that in in what he does, and just in those twenty minutes is I've never seen anything like that in a movie. And um, I think that people should just if you have if you've seen Toy Story recently, go back and rewatch just that first twenty minute scene and just uh, with 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 the with the context that it is one singular. Mm-hmm. string of events and it's ingenious well you know it's funny i mentioned them before that the, there's many many screenwriters uh, associated with this and normally when you hear movie critics talk about oh this movie has nine screeners it's yeah. usually meant as an insult yeah but i think with pixar and i think i think it's very very much uh, the case over the next 15 20 years that these are a collective of creatives that work together symbiotically it's like a TV show it's, yeah, exactly it's like mandalorian they all there's like 10 writers in the room exactly yeah. um but it reminds me a little bit of because uh, we know we were talking about the Oscars a little bit before and how they're terrible now and yeah. what just a horrible, unfunny watch of un- mess. But like, why did people 
like the Oscars. Like like Seth Rogen made a big comment, like, why do people care about the Oscars? Because I don't think he's he understands the history. The Oscars used to be fun because they were a holdover from the 1950s variety shows. You know, um, Sid Caesar had the show of shows where he would come out and do this big production and everybody's song and dance. You know, the variety show that, that came back in the 1970s. And because there was a team of writers, you know, they used to be called the kids in the hall. You know, you had Mel Brooks, you had, um, oh, who's the guy, who, uh, Neil Simon. You had all these guys and they'd be, and some women too, to be fair, but mostly guys. And they'd be creative and they'd work together and they'd help each other. And and I think with Pixar, Pixar might be the first movie studio to ever successfully like mimic that type of that like creative symbiotic uh, nature. Like it it works. It works together. Yeah, like yeah. I, in in the credits that um, how I don't know how they divvied up the credits here, but yeah, in, in like the old Disney movies, you had you know. An animation director, sure, like, and he's probably kind of having a hand in mm-hmm. writing the story. It's like a comic book, right? Like, the artist kind of helps write the story a little bit. Um, but then you do have just, like, two writers, uh, screenwriters. And, but here, they're, like, they, w- it was still probably taboo in 1995, and they were probably, like you said, they're probably, like, the first ones who were doing it. They had, what, six writing credits, well, including the story you know, guy? you know, it's probably the guild has some sort of... Uh, restrictions like about directors. putting people yeah, on like there. You could only have one. Yeah, that's true. But you know, you mentioned the old Disney classics, and it's pretty clear if you ever read any history of Disney, Walt Disney himself was very tutorial. He, his imprint was on everything. Everything went through Walt Disney. I think he was basically the the you know the beginning, the middle, the end when it came to storytelling. And after he passed away, what was it during the Jungle Book? I think you can tell yeah. like the collapse started. Like without their figurehead, Disney just was rudderless, and there was right. some the Ron know, Miller years exactly. And it's I mean I mean we're all fond of that particular type of cell animation, of course, but as far as storytelling, as epicness and scope and heart and let's just be fair, originality. I mean, you had Disney reusing their own animation. Like you, there are YouTube videos made of them just literally tracing over 1930s animation because they couldn't afford to make new animation. They just it, the life was gone. And I think we're going to get to that a little bit with Pixar a little bit. I don't think it's as dire, but I definitely think there's a similar trajectory a little bit. Yeah. What, is... what do you think? What do you think was more? <clears throat> I mean, obviously Snow White was the one that you know opened the floodgates. Oh, not even the floodgates because no, there's still not like another studio. Who Are you thinking like the first the first big hit? For Disney? No, well, I was gonna say, do you think that be- I'm comparing Toy Story with Snow mm-hmm. White because they're both very. I think you could even say they were the they're, first. They're yes. equals, in in a sense. Um, but Snow White definitely. Um, I mean, it's been you know ninety some years, but or <laughs> Just, maybe what's a, what, years. what's a century? <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, it's it's it's. I love Snow White, and I I laugh when I watch it, and it's enjoyable to me. But you know, I've heard a lot of people say that they it's super slow and they can't watch it. Um, um but I, but at the same time, it's undoubtedly the most important animated movie ever. It's, but like comparing it to to Toy Story is it's I think it's apples and oranges. But at the same time, Toy Story. Uh, showed people a new way to do it, and they kind of made that style more accessible, and it was a more accessible. Whereas, like the formula before was okay, fairy tales, boom. But now, and it's like okay, that that only can stretch so far. But now it's like okay, you got to think outside the box. Well, talking toys, talking, you bring up like monsters in the closet. You whatever. bring up a good point. You bring up a good point, and I thought about it myself as I was 
well, I kind of just mentioned it, like, do kids play with toys anymore? Like, what is going to be nostalgic for these kids? A Macintosh? Like, an iPad? Like, what's going to be nostalgic? Like, for, for the men making Toy Story, it was toys. It was physical things you play with. Um, I think it's possible to watch Snow White on a purely technical level and marvel at... Like you can appreciate you oh, can yeah. appre- you can appreciate what went into them creating the systems by which they were going to change Hollywood. Like there were people actually yes. thinking you couldn't watch an animated film because you get motion sickness. Like the genius on display with Snow White cannot be underst- uh, overstated. It's a it is a monumental feat in in Hollywood. Absolutely, and no just one astonishing. even no one even tried to rival them for decades. Like, how long was it before like another? Like, well, it was like the late seventies. I think it was like the Lord of the Rings movie or whatever that was. Um, there were there were there's an interesting interlude that happened in the sixties uh, regarding some Japanese studios, specifically if you look That's at like uh, Osama Tezuka, for example. Um, but no, what? But as far as like animated films go, there was a couple of uh, features, but mostly cheap Hanna Barbera animation. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, like the Scooby Doo, the Scooby or the Flintstones or things like that. Yeah. But generally speaking, no. I mean, Disney, Disney was on another level. But I'll say this. But I don't think Snow White holds up as a piece of storytelling as well, and I, and and that's not a fault of the film because I think mm-hmm. Disney immediately corrected it. I think Disney, if you look at Disney, you can literally put nineteen. When did Snow White come out? Thirty eight. 30. 30s, yeah, it was had like a soft release and soft release, I think, and, and it came out. And it was a huge blockbuster, by the way. Let's be fair. Yeah. Like, like, and this is an age of uh, Wizard of Oz, by the way. So oh, yeah, it was golden. It was golden age. Yeah, it was golden age. Like, like the number of tickets that Hollywood would sell back then dwarfed anything today. Like yeah. Avengers Endgame wouldn't even count as a top ten film if it had been released yeah. back then. Yeah, like po- post Civil War, uh, you know, plantation epics were mm-hmm. breaking records. Yeah. Oh yeah, Cecil D. Was it Cecil Mill? Cecil Cecil B. Cecil Mill. Cecil B. Mill. Well, yeah, the yeah. Ten Commandments. <laughs> Excuse me. And when Charlton Heston was the Arnold Schwarzenegger of his day, but um, but I'll say this: you look at the batch of first animated films that Disney did, which were vastly artistic, vastly thing. But then you have things like Snow White, you have Bambi, and then I think you have the masterpiece of the time. I think you have Pinocchio, and I think Fantasia and Fantasia. Well, Fantasia was different though, really. It wasn't it. Yeah, it was, yeah. But it and was, I mean, it, I I consider it a, like his first magnum opus. I think it's it was so it was good. a it was a disappointment from box office, but creatively though, yeah, yeah. the idea was the idea was that he was going to recycle it every couple decades and add new segments to it, and which they did, I think, in two thousand. But that was it. But yeah. But you have things like you have, like I said, you have Bambi, you have you have um, uh, Pinocchio, uh, you have Dumbo. Sleeping Beauty, Dumbo. Like I believed, I think Lasseter said Dumbo's his favorite movie of all time. I love Dumbo. Yeah, Dumbo's like it's also sixty minutes. It's basically a yep. TV special, Super like easy. like. Yeah. But it's so it's so precise, a piece of storytelling. And if you look at like the Disney remake of it, which is wretched, then. <laughs> Then you know you, which ironically was made by Tim Burton. Uh, Who worked uh, with Lasseter, right? Uh, not necessarily. Well, kind of. They they almost they almost cross path. He uh, Tim okay. Burton. Tim Burton was a contemporary of Don Bluth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he worked on like uh, he worked on creating characters. I think for either the Fox and the Hound or yeah. the Black Cauldron. He was either I don't know the story. He was either fired or left Disney at some point. But no, he he left. Don Bluth left. There was a bunch of them that left. And of course, Don Bluth became the only legitimate competitor Disney's ever had in the United States, for, yeah. as far as 2D, before he flamed out. But no, um, see, we could talk about animation all day. To answer your question, though, 
I agree with you. Snow White's monumental. I think it's fantastic. But I don't know if the storytelling um, would be interesting to modern audiences that have been trained to be uh, less observant. Yeah, and I think that's a thing that Toy Story has going for it. Like, not only is it a technical uh, um, achievement in 1995, I mean, and even, I mean, you compare it, uh, mm-hmm. I could, yeah, you compare it to what's going on. Like, you look at, there's there's handprints on the walls. There's scuff marks on the, on the like, crown molding. You know what I mean? Like, it's insane. Like, the you, there's there's reflections off of things, and, and you're seeing characters and their reflections. You're not even noticing it. It's the stuff that they're doing in it, it is, is wild. And you watch, you know, I watch the Adams Family cartoon. Oh, no. And it's like, it's so clean and it's so, it, there's no flaws in any of the furniture or the architecture. And it's like, even in the Adams Family, you could have put tons of flaws in there. No, you would have been justified because it's the Adams Family, but no. It's just, it's everything's so calculated. Um, I was going to so well, the, sanitized. I, I forget the guy who made it. I think he just passed away this year, actually. The one who made the models for Star Wars. Um, yeah, he did. Like, yeah, yeah so, one yeah. of the um, one of the tenants he did was to make the vehicles dirty, to make the spaceships yeah, dirty, to make them totally. take them look rusty. Which I think none of the the subsequent films, even the prequels, had that dynamic. I think it was too clean. But you know, you want to look like something lived in. It's filthy, like when you know Han Solo's banging on the Millennium Falcon just to get it work, like a soda machine. Um, but let's get into something real quick that I think we haven't really touched upon, and. I agree with everything you said. I'm going to say this real quick. I'm going to qualify what I'm going to say. I think Toy Story, the original Toy Story, is as perfect a film as I've ever seen. Um, that doesn't mean it's that doesn't mean it's flawless. Oh yeah, but I I, I know where you're going with this. I, I, yeah. I say it's a flawed master. It's the most perfect flawed movie ever, or the most flawed perfect movie ever. It's it's like I almost feel bad pointing out things that I don't like. Yeah. Because I even like them. Because I think. <laughs> If you think about all the things it accomplished, it not only did it have to invent systems by which it was created, it had to invent new types of storytelling. It had to appeal to so many audiences. It had to appeal to Disney's marketing machine. It had to, but it, but it also had to be a competent story, and it excelled in everything, on every single level. Toy Story excels. It doesn't. It there's no deficits, and I think let's. We've already talked about Lasseter and Pixar and everything, but let's let's talk about the most. To me, the thing that gives the film its longevity, and that it's the performances of the actors, because this was one of the first animated films to ever to be shot or ever to be recorded like a live action film. Like you said, it took. By the way, have you seen Forty Eight Hours with Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte? A long time ago, yes. Okay, you've seen Midnight Run, right? Yeah. Okay, you've seen Commando. Yes. Thelma and Louise. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Do any of those movies strike you as kid friendly? <laughs> No, not in the slightest. <laughs> so let's make a kid film out of that. And so who do they get? They get Tom Hanks and they get Tim Allen. Uh, Tom Hanks just coming up uh, across a bunch of buddy movies like Turner and Hooch and Tim Allen, who had just been arrested for cocaine. And well, I, well and Tom Hanks also uh, won back-to-back Oscars at this point. Yeah, Tom Hanks, uh, this is coming off of his second Oscar, by the way. Yeah, Forrest Gump. Yep. And so he had Forrest Gump, I'm oh, sorry, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump. Uh, he was just the same year this came out. Uh, Apollo thirteen came out. As monumental as Toy Story as a film, Tom Han- this is when Tom Hanks became Tom Hanks. I think you would agree. Like this is when he became the most cherished actor in our lifetime. Yeah. And I believe Toy Story was the thing that clinched it. Like you could say what you will about Forrest Gump, which I think is a masterful performance. I know. I know the movie snobs will tell me that if I say I like, if I say I even like Forrest Gump, 
they'll say I'm an idiot. Oh, Pulp Fiction got robbed. Well, you know what? Screw you. Pulp Fiction was good and Forrest Gump was good. They're both good. Yeah. Forrest Gump's a better film. Sorry. Yeah. But, I agree with you. Um, I like, but me thinking Forrest Gump's a better film than Pulp Fiction doesn't mean I can't love Pulp Fiction. I love them equally. I'm even, I'm, I'm going to go back and watch Pulp Fiction this weekend because of the Bruce Willis news. I feel bad about that. You, you know what I'm referring to, right? I've seen a lot of people talking about Bruce Willis, but I don't know what happened. Um, he's retiring from acting because he's basically got brain damage. Oh, yeah, he's that's got, right. I did uh, hear about aphasia, that. I think it was, and yeah. um, I think it was Red Letter Media on YouTube that actually did a retrospective last week, and they hinted at this, that that was the, the reason, and so their stories got some attention. Because he was churning out all these movies, like like 40 movies in two years, and they were all garbage. It turns out he was, yeah, sad story, and... It's it's just not a good way to end your career, but yeah, especially Bruce Willis. I mean, yeah, the guy was the coolest guy in the world at one point. Oh, Bruce, a good Bruce Willis movie is awesome, yeah. and a bad Bruce Willis movie is plentiful. <laughs> There's a lot of them, yeah. but the good ones yeah, are good. But let's talk about Tom Hanks real quick, America's favorite actor. Who let's played talk, Walt Disney eventually? Who played Walt Disney? And he's going to be he's going to be Geppetto in the upcoming Pinocchio movie yeah. by Robert Zemeckis, director of Forrest Gump. Yay! Oh man, it's going to be terrible. Oh my god. Like that's Tom Hanks's career now, by the way. Who, what lovable beloved character can I play? You know, like who can yeah, he, I play? Well, he, yeah, even his villains are like, oh, okay, he's he's kind of he's got a twinkle in his eyes still. I'm tired of his twinkle. He's uh he's gonna be in that he's gonna be in that new movie. What's that? Oh, he's gonna be in the Elvis movie. Did you see this? Yes, I did. Yeah, that's cool. Is he in a fat suit? That's Baz Luhrmann, right? Yeah, Baz Luhrmann. I gotta tell you, I'm excited. I, the movie could be crap, yeah. but it looks exciting. Oh yeah. Guy doesn't look a damn thing like Elvis, but who cares? So you know how he got this role, right? You know how they, they got Tom Hanks for this, right? No. Well, there's a couple rumors, but the legend is, and the truth is, is that they love the movie A League of Their Own. And there's a scene in the League of Their Own where Tom Hanks is yelling at one of the players about crying. But it turns out that the actual footage they used to test Woody was from Turner and Hooch. Did you ever see this? No. Yeah, if you go to YouTube right now and type in... Turner and Hooch, Toy Story, there is an animatic where they took a speech from Turner and Hooch and animated the first Woody. But the movie that got their attention was League of Their Own. And guess what? I got clips of both. You want to hear them? Oh, yeah, I do. Okay, it's very quick. See, again, the, the Turner and Hooch clip won't make a damn bit of sense unless you see the, the footage. But listen to the voice. Ready? Here is Tom Hanks in Turner and Hooch. Oh, no, 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 you're eating the car! Don't eat the car! Not the car! Oh, you stupid dog! Yeah. Now, here's Tom Hanks in A League of Their Own. This is the one that got him the role of Woody. Here we go. Say, Evelyn, can I ask you a question? You got a moment? Mm-hmm. Which team do you play for? Well, I, I'm a peach. Well, I was just wondering... Because I couldn't figure out why you would throw home when we've got a two-run lead. You let the tying run get on second, and we lost the lead because of you. Now you start using your head. That's not love. That's three feet above your ass. (laughs) Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. That's it. That's your Woody. Uh, <laughs> the the inflections that he does it's in, fun. as Woody are ridiculous. Oh. For it's like what he was doing, like for an animated movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and just I mean, and then on the opposite side, you have Tim Allen, who's just so like, hey, he's like a <laughs> Tim, you know, Buzz Lightyear. Like he's like so proper, and it's 
Oh, it's so good. Oh, I got one more clip, and that is exactly what you just described. It's a very famous scene, one of the most famous scenes from the movie. You want to hear it? Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Last clip from the first movie. Here we go. Don't talk to me about importance because of you, the security of this entire universe is in jeopardy. What? What are you talking about? Right now, poised at the edge of the galaxy, Emperor Zerg has been secretly building a weapon with the destructive capacity to annihilate an entire planet. I alone have information that reveals this weapon's only weakness. And you, my friend, are responsible for delaying my rendezvous with Star Command. You are a toy! You weren't the real Buzz Lightyear, you're you're an action figure! You are a child's plaything! You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. Farewell. (laughs) That, I remember when I, you're a sad, strange little man, and everyone just lost when you said that. It's so good. That scene is like the epitome. You can just show that scene. This is their dynamic. Like, you have this, you have this total idiot. Like, and by the way, the emotional stakes of this movie, not even the emotional stakes, just, because I hate when movies do this thing where they, like, alienate one character and you see it all the time in movies exactly it's like frustrating but <clears throat> this movie completely gets away with it and it does, you don't even question it because it under the under the recognition that buzz lightyear is a complete idiot and if you don't recognize that he's an idiot it doesn't work but because the audience recognizes well, that he's just he's totally an idiot clueless. he's an idiot yeah. but he's but he's brave woody yeah. <laughs> is a coward and he's conniving. Like they're they are yeah. literally opposites. They're complete yeah. opposites, but they work. Well, and here's the thing. Hold on, I lost my train of thought. I know the movie's that good. <laughs> so, the movie's that good. It will make you speechless. So, so I love that. <laughs> I, so my whole thing that I that I every time I watch it, it's it's so interesting because Woody is like the only one who can see through Buzz's delusions, and one toy's misguided confidence, and that's Buzz, is validated by the stupidity of the masses. And so not only does Woody get replaced, but the other toys don't make it easy for him by any means. And well, the jealousy exactly. doesn't come from Buzz <laughs> or Andy. It comes from how society, so to speak, is treating him. And it's so funny how that is often the case in real life. And he's not – and so because of that, you have dudes like Mr. Potato Head, who I believe is the real villain of this movie. He's the antagonist. Sid's not. <laughs> I don't think Sid – isn't a villain. He, he's not a villain because he. Okay, Sid is a villain, but he's not a villain because he blows up toys because he doesn't realize they're sentient. So I mean, there's no malice there. He's just enjoying. Well, Sid is very creative. Sid it takes him apart. He's like, how yeah. do these toys work? And he puts them together. And well, yeah, but but what makes him a villain is that scene when he takes his sister's doll and rips the head off. That's what makes him a villain. Not the fact that he blows yeah. up the toys because he doesn't know that they well, are are actual. Sid, Sid comes back though, doesn't he? Does he come back in the third one as the garbage man, or yeah, does he come back in the fourth is, one? Uh, it's a Pizza Planet driver, isn't it, or something? Yeah, I think so. It's it's they never make it that clear. Yeah. So basically, if you if you take your toys apart, you're going to end up like a civil servant. And if you don't take your toys apart and love and and have delayed adolescence, you go to Caltech and you become a computer engineer. <laughs> so yeah, there's your lesson, boys and girls. Be nice to your toys. Oh, yeah. We will be watching they see everything. everything. Yeah, um, but long story short, Potato Head is the real villain here, I think. he's. Like, by the way, I love the like. I love Don Rickles to death. He's one of my yeah. favorite comedians of all time, and I love I love the fact they snuck a hockey puck joke in this. Like, no child knows what that means, but they yeah, see a hockey puck, puck 
but they see a hockey puck with hand, like Mickey Mouse hands and they laugh. They don't get that it's like a 50-year-old joke at this point. My wife um, was literally planning on for, for our anniversary to buy us tickets to go to Vegas. This is before we had kids, to see mm-hmm. Don Rickles. Oh, goodness. And then he passed away two months Oh, you know what's performance? You know what's funny? Um, there was a really, really good attempt. Like there was a big attempt to cancel him before he died, and it didn't happen. even it didn't even didn't even make it past the first stage. Like you can't cancel Don Rickles. Yeah. You know it's not going to happen. I love. By the way, you know what's really crazy? Don Rickles was in Toy Story in 1995, and he was in Casino in 1995. Oh, whoa, that's funny. I didn't even never thought of that. About yeah, that. so he had, he had a funny. pretty he was in a Scorsese movie and a John Lasseter movie. Think about that. Yeah. No, I love Don Rickles. He's if if you don't know who Don Rickles is, just type in Don Rickles. You will be on YouTube all night. He is. Yeah. Him and Rodney Dangerfield, I think, were the most acerbic, oh, yeah. like old men comics at the time. Love them both. Yeah. Love them both. And no canceling them, please. Don't you dare. You want to cancel somebody? Go cancel Jimmy Kimmel. No one cares. So Jimmy Fallon. All the oh, Jimmys. All the Jimmys. Every late night show could be gone, and we wouldn't miss anything. Nothing. No. So Except Conan. I would miss Conan. Well, he's a, he's gone now, so I guess. You know, Conan's got a little bit of a Pixar connection too. You know, because really? he yeah he was working at the uh, the Simpsons as because a lot oh. of Pix, a lot of Pixar alumni worked at the Simpsons. In fact, yeah. I forget who it was. Uh, who was one who came back? Like the director of the Simpsons movie was actually a Pixar director, and it's crazy. It's um, a lot of talent. Like Brad Bird. I mean, I could go off all day. Yeah. Going back to the dynamic, like the, the whole cast. Like we have Don Rickles. We have the great goodness gracious. I don't. I don't want to. Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn, by the way, who is exquisite. My favorite character actor ever. I'm sorry. Like I hate to say. I hate to. With all due respect, to dinner with Andre. And the Princess Bride, but while Sean, this is your role, man. You are Rex. Yeah. Oh you, yeah. This is it's a great performance. It's really good. You don't even have to know, and they're not doing archetypes really. Like I mean, I, you know, Potato Head's doing Don Rickles, I guess, but like not really. Like he's also doing something kind of different. Wallace Sean is doing this like neurotic thing, but he's a dinosaur. <laughs> it's so good, and the fact that he's a dinosaur. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> He's a he, well. You remember in the third movie? I I just finished. I watched the third movie again just for research. Um, Andy Andy uh, validates him at the end. He's like, "Oh, this is Rex. He's the ferocious and terrifying T Rex." And he finally gets to be called terrifying, even though yeah. he's not. Even though. Oh he's not. yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um. Oh, and then you have Rat uh, Ratzenberger, who's oh, literally yeah. just playing Cliff from Cheers. Let's be honest here. John Ratzenberger is Pixar's uh, MVP. Was he in? Oh, yeah. Was, is he still in the Pixar films? The first movie he was not in was Turning Red, by the way. Really? Yeah. Oh. I, 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 at least I think so. I read that somewhere. Really? Oh. I mean, he's basically the Stan Lee of the Pixar world. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right, though. I mean, if you think about it, though, look at these people. You have Tom Hanks. You have Tim Allen. You have Ratzenberger. You have Rickles. You know, you have, um, hell, you have Ernest P. Worrell himself, Jim Varney. You have all <laughs> yeah. these people. And these are TV people, a lot of them are, or at yeah. one time were. And that's that type of situational comedy is, I think, what works. You have this, and you have what's her name who plays the mom, Lori um, Metcalf. Yeah, Metcalf. Yeah, who's by the way, she's she's always been fun. She's always great. Mm-hmm. I think she's had, she's kind of had a comeback too, a little bit. Um, but then you have the great Arlie Irby, by the way. Like they were watching Full Metal Jacket when they casted this film. <laughs> like, let's get yeah. the guy. Let's get the guy who says, "I'm gonna gouge out your eyeballs and skull." <laughs> Beep your. You know, you come over and beat my sister. Let's put him in a let's put him in a, a kids film. Oh man. And it's great. 
It's great. Do you, do you like Tim Allen? Are you a Tim Allen? Uh, yeah, I love Tim let Allen. Let me say this. Let me say this. I'm a Tim Allen fan when Tim Allen is on my wavelength. And that scene we just listened to is Tim Allen doing a version of Captain Kirk, mm-hmm. you know, and which is funny because just a few years later, he'd be doing another version of Captain Kirk. Galaxy Quest. In Galaxy Quest, which is a which is just one of my favorite comedies of the 90s. Uh, Tim Allen is perfection as Buzz Lightyear. It's the best role he's ever had. And that yeah. includes Tim Allen. I mean, that includes um, Tim, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, and the chemistry that he and Tom Hanks has is undeniable. It's, it feels real. And even yeah. if they didn't record any of the lines together, but it just feels fantastic. This is, this is, this is a perfectly cast film. It's Perfect. literally the two best voice performances, in my opinion, ever. I mean, you can make a case for Eddie Murphy and Shrek, because I think he's phenomenal in that. Um, but Don't care. <laughs> but I love, uh, yeah, these two guys, just uh, the fact that they're in the same movie. I, and I've seen a lot of animated movies. I So my wife and I actually went through, I probably told you this, we went through uh, during the pandemic, during the mm-hmm. lockdown. We went started at Snow White, and we made it all the way through the 90s, um, watching every Disney movie in order. And um, by the way, Bob Newhart, not a great voice actor. Bob Newhart is a very funny man. He and, is not a good voice actor. Though. Yeah, he's um, – well, it's it's funny because one of the things that, that Toy Story established, going to everything, everything you and I just said, continues for like their next ten movies when it comes to voice acting. They would hire people you would never expect to be voice actors. You know, you'd never expect like the kids in the hall guy. What's his name um, in Bugs Life? Uh, goodness – you know who I'm talking about the lead the lead actor. Yeah, kids uh, in the hall. Al, wasn't that? Oh, no, Albert Brooks. Who's that's Nemo. no Albert um, Brooks. Albert Brooks is another one in Finding Nemo. You know. Um. Yeah. Who's the guy? Who's the? Yeah. Who played? What's his name? I Blake I feel I feel very bad. Yeah, exactly. Because he's I love the kids <laughs> in the hall. I absolutely love them. But uh, I I apologize to whoever you Dave are. Foley, Dave, Foley, Dave Foley. Dave Foley. Dave Foley. Because he was on news radio. Not news radio. He was on um. Just shoot me at the time, I think, or, yeah. news, or oh, news radio. Well, and on the same thing, you also had Richard Kind, Dennis yes. Leary. Oh, Richard Kind's been in a couple, I think, right? Yeah, he's been in a couple. But you yeah, have he was these in cars, I think. Yeah, like only only Pixar, like only Pixar would ever put a eighty year old Ed Asner as the lead actor <laughs> of a children's film about an old man whose wife suffered a miscarriage and they fly away to a magical place. Yeah. Like, there's something. Somebody put LSD in the water over there, and they just had these crazy ideas, and they always worked. They yeah. always worked. Yeah, and then you had, and then you had people kind of like misinterpreting that concept, and then they just started getting like these A-listers to voice. Yeah, uh, you talk, you talk about the worked. the DreamWorks floating head people. Like, yeah, yeah. I oh mean, it, it works every once in a while. You got Steve Carell as a Guru, awesome. Um, sure, Mike Myers, good in Shrek. Um, you know, you know what's wretched? I remember those commercials when they would have like these. And I'll I, can I be generous here? A a healthy mix of like one A lister and fifty B listers or C listers, <laughs> and they have like the footage in the trailer when they show the actor talking in the microphone, reading from a piece of paper, like starring such and such, like Molly Shannon. I don't care. Yeah, like it matters. Like it ma- Like you're gonna see that movie because of like an animated movie because. Molly Shannon's voicing. Yeah, and no, no offense to Molly Shannon, but mm, but you know, and you have all these has-beens and all these people that yeah. will take any role for any amount of money, and they're literally hired because they have some sort of cachet. But they weren't hired because of their creativity. They weren't hired because their voice, the timbre of their voice. They weren't hired because they had some special performance. They're hired because they're cheap, 
and they could have got a real cartoon voice actor who can be a good cartoon yeah. voice actor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because that's a different oh, yeah. skill. That's a very like, different uh, skill. What's his name? Uh, the guy who did like who's done like everything ever. Well, um, oh, are you talking about Frank? Um, Frank Frank Welker, Welker, yeah. Frank Welker, yeah. Who's literally listed in more IMDb credits than any other person. In you know who's well, number two? Samuel Jackson. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. Wow. Well, well, the thing is, it's so Hollywood, right? It's like you go to you go to like a, a bar or something, and you just kind of chat it up with people in L.A. And then they're like, "Oh, we have this project, and we have this person, and we have this person," and it becomes like yeah. the project is the people who are the, like the act, the names instead of the actual project. It's yeah. Like, okay, but what's it about? Like, so people, so and that's kind of what uh, like animated movies for a time just devolved into that. And and and, and I will say, admittedly, at one point. If something was animated, if you heard of an animated movie coming out, you could pretty much guarantee it would be pretty good because they're not going to go through this whole process of animating a movie that sucks. But then it got to a point where my wife and I started going to movies, and then I think it was like two, around 2010, same year as, as – which was a great year for animation, by the way um, – same year as, as Toy Story 3. And then you, you, after, like, after that year, you started noticing a lot of really – just sucky animated movies and i don't know if something happened I... where it became easier and it just started becoming about who was in it i remember like zach efron was in alpha and omega and that was a thing oh zach efron's in this movie it's like but is it a good movie no i think it started a little bit before that i think the dreamworks stuff i think post shrek i think shrek yeah. for the most part gets it right i think yeah. that i'm and i think to be to be fair i think only the first two matter i don't think the third and the fourth matter very much but i yeah. um you know, you have, but you have phenomena. You have phenomenons when you have the characters match, and they have a relationship not just with each other but with the audience. And if we can get into the sequels a little bit, and again, we're not going to really talk about them, but I, I don't know how you feel about this, and I feel dirty even broaching the subject with you. But some people think the sequels are actually better than the original Toy Story, as though that puts a limit. Like, like that's like saying well, this movie's a better yeah. film. I I agree with that in a way, but I also don't agree with it. I feel they build on each other. Yeah, I will say Toy Story of the original. The fourth one's the worst of the four. I think we can agree. But see, when you say worst, though, I mean it's like that implies I mean, like, like relatively, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but I will say uh, of the original three, I think if you look at just uh, if you don't look at um, if you're not looking at it in context or if you're not looking at it in like technological achievement. I think three is the best of the movies. Two is the worst. If you had to pick, two, um, I mean, people say two. I mean, I don't know how you feel. I I think it's preposterous when people say that that two is the best of the three. I almost I almost feel that way. And I'll, really? I'll let me exp- oh, let me let me explain. Let me explain. So we go back to we go back to Star Wars again. You have mm-hmm. the original Star Wars takes place on a sand planet. You yeah. go to the second movie and it takes place on an ice planet. You go to the third movie it takes place on a forest planet. So you have these basic concepts, or you have something like um, your favorite movie, Bill and Ted. You have the first Bill and Ted; it's a time traveling adventure. You have the second one; they're in frick, they're in hell, then they're in heaven. Yeah. In robots playing guitars. You have movies that are fundamentally different using the same basic structure of characters, like how Back what, to the Future. Exactly, Back to the like Future. That. Exactly, Back to the Future. Although Back to the Future is a little different because they're more cylindrical, cylindrical about it. Yes. It's the same basic story being retold for fun, like interpreted three different Which ways. Which makes it genius in its oh, own. Oh, it's absolutely genius. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Toy Story doesn't do that. And in some ways it does. Like in the first movie, you have Buzz losing an arm and him you know, having to come to grips with he's a toy. In the second movie, you have... Woody losing an arm and coming to grips that he was a phenomenon, but you also but you have these characters that can exist in different places, and I gotta tell you something though, 
if you know the history about Toy Story 2, it makes it fascinating how this movie yeah. was supposed to be a direct-to-video movie and how it, it, it blossomed from there. But what it did, I think it, it – God, I don't like using this term, Ethan, but it upended our expectations about what a sequel could be in animation. I think, and I and I refer to yes. I, I refer to Terminator again, is that it took all the tools that Pixar had built to create this industry, and it did something original with it. And well, I got to tell you, only one theatrical animated sequel in Disney's lineage before that, and that was Rescuers, I think, right? Which, by the way, uh, Pixar worked on that. And the second one is better than the first one, by the way, of the rescue. Oh, I love. Oh, by the way, the yeah, the other the rescue is down under. You think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's much better. I think yeah, it's way better than the first one. Uh, um, that's the there's no, movie but there's no, about. there's no porno in it though. That's the problem. <laughs> but no, the um. Yeah, if you watch the Disney Plus version. There's if, no. If you watch that movie, the, uh, that was the first movie ever made with the Pixar technology called Caps. Yeah. And you know, to be fair, it's not a great movie by itself, but it's a lot yeah. of fun. It's very it different. Fun. It's, yeah. It was right before the Disney Renaissance, like before the the real the real Renaissance. But um, I love Toy Story too. I love Toy Story. I do too. No, I mean, you don't, you don't understand. <laughs> like Toy Story two and I have a history. <laughs> um, oh, got it. Okay. Because as an animation fan, I never thought in my life I would see something like this. I would see a, a sequel that was so powerful, and so expressive, and so visually entertaining, and so audibly. Like there's there are segments in Toy Story two that I think refine the formula from Toy Story 1 into almost like a fu- almost a fine wine. There are storytelling elements, there are segments of it that are beyond anything I'd ever seen before. And remember, Toy Story 2 came out the year the Star Wars prequel came out, 1999. Yeah. And I think it was the second most successful movie of the year. I watched that movie, and my brain is euphoric. My heart is sings. I love Toy Story 2. I love it so much. But I don't think I'd love it if I didn't love the first one so yeah, much. Like, totally. Like, and, yeah, it, yeah, it only exists as a sequel, if that makes any sense. Yeah, because it – and even like – okay, my my biggest gripe with the second one – and I love the second movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I put it third of the original three, but that doesn't mean I don't like it. I, I watched it recently, and I, it's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. the, my only main thing was the first – is the first act of that movie feels like it's trying to – like remind you of something you know what i mean it feels almost and that's like the only thing in those first three movies the only time in those first three movies where it feels like a little contrived maybe if that's not the right word but and it's that and it's literally just and they have like 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 the first 15 minutes there's like three jokes about rex's arms being too short and it, it just feels like you mean the video game not, you mean the video game section where the video game section yeah. and then they and then they leave and then he's like trying to I forget. Let's do something else, and then there's like a third one where he's trying to like press a button of something else. I can't press the jump at the, at the same <laughs> yeah, time. And, that, and that's hilarious, yeah. though. But I'm saying, but then they keep doing it. it, it there's just something in it where the it, in that. But once they once they get in that toy, they leave the house and they get in the toy store. It's like a, a whole new movie to me, and it's phenomenal. And then well, they, I think they go I think the, you're... The, toy, the toys in a toy store in a toy <laughs> toy store is. Uh, an awesome concept and it's like okay they had to take it here well i think you're right i think there's signs that the movie again uh did you know it's the shortest uh production level of any pixar film nine months really yeah it was it was designed for video it was going to be a direct-to-video thing and they rescued it from there and they had to add elements to it like they literally had to stitch the movie together Hmm. and they still had time to put outtakes at the end of it yeah i know that's 
but no, I, uh, there's something about it. There's just, you're watching, you're watching magicians do their work and they're like, cause they've, again, I want to be clear. Um, it doesn't detract from the first movie. I don't think it's necessarily a better movie than the first, but I think it's a superior made film that, but it only exists because the first movie was so damn good. Like if you didn't care about these characters, if you didn't, if you didn't like the music, if you didn't have the established lore, like, you know, you, like, let me ask you a question. There's a couple moments that I think in Toy Story 2 that set the template for all Pixar movies up until, like, 2016. Mm-hmm. The Jessie song. Because yeah. she loved me. You know, the class, you know, um, uh, what's his, oh, uh, goodness gracious, I can't even talk right now. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Um, let me see it real quick. I should know this off the top of my head. Who plays Jessie? No, um, Randy Newman. Because, you know, oh, he, oh, yeah. Because we haven't even talked about him for a minute, but he's the third part of why these movies work, I think, so yeah. much. The, but, yeah, that's like a, an aud- aud- auditory aesthetic but, to it. Yeah. But, this, but to me, the sound design in Toy Story 2 is, is maybe the best sound design I've ever heard in a film, ever. Oh, I could, I could, I can get on, on board with that. Yeah. It's, and, it's, and, and they wisely shift, they like pivot. So in the first movie, the comedy comes from Buzz and Woody's dynamic. Mm-hmm. And in the second one, they, they, they can't replicate that because now, you know, Buzz has his eyes open. So, like, how are they going to do this? How are they going to have this <laughs> clueless character? They wisely make it this other Buzz who's, like, still yep. thinks he's a toy. And then he's leading – they all think it's the real Buzz and then he's leading them on an adventure. Uh, it's so funny. Well, they, they – remember, they, they reuse the same gag of the third movie by Spanish Buzz. Yeah. Which oh, is yeah. even oh, – which man. is which is genius. But um, And then, yeah, and then Tortilla Head <laughs> – I, I, we will talk about the third movie in a second, but the, I love se- the third one. But the second movie, though, in general, it has moments of, of some sort of cosmic brilliance that no other movie company that I've ever seen do. Um, the scenes again, the Jesse scene when you know because she loved me, the forgetful, the, the animation quality of, like certain like cinematic scenes, like when Woody's being repaired by, you know. Um, you know Jerry from Jerry's Game or Gerald's Game. What was the name of that? Uh, Gerald's Game. Yeah, he comes yeah. in. He's the fixer. Remember, he's the one who repairs yeah. Woody. Uh, you have the nostalgia scene when Woody recognizes and he comes to grips with who he was. He was a phenomenon. There's there's elements of silent storytelling that became tri- Pixar trademarks. My favorite scene in the movie is very at the end when they're running through the airport, and there's a scene when Woody is running up the luggage and he rescues Jesse, and all you hear is a violin. It's just a violin that goes, and he opens the tank, and Jessie's in there, and like like hugging herself because she's scared, and they hug. This is brilliant. This is brilliant filmmaking. Yeah. And it's not animation. It's filmmaking. It's shot like a real movie. It's exciting. You know, you have a great Wayne Newton performance as the Chicken Man. You know, Al from Al Toy Barn. Oh yeah. You have these amazing scenes in this, and it's phenomenal. But it works. And and it and it's the first time that I mean the movie the first movie. Um, never addresses the fact that you know the, the owner is going to grow up. It, it exists within that that capsule. With this, the sequel, he's Woody is finally confronted with the concept yep. that he, Andy's mortality grow up at some point. Yeah. yeah, mortality exactly. And and so I think that is super ingenious. And I think that's kind of one of the things that um, he he you know he realizes and he's like, okay, I'm gonna you're right. I'm gonna go to whatever Japan or whatever it is. Uh, where and then he, but he ultimately ends up staying. But then the fourth movie kind of like oh, I don't want to undermines yeah, that. Yeah, the and fourth it's like, movie. Wait, no, yeah, this is the whole second movie 
is mm. about how he really just he's gonna stick it out he wants to experience yes it you know, undoes it um, this kid grow up he wants to see them grow up it's well, like a parent a parental thing let's let's just get into the third movie real quick because we can't avoid yeah. this um tell me what you think about the third film toy story 3 oh, 2010 the third movie is for me next to the first one. It's it's a better movie if you talk. I mean, the first one does have one gaping plot hole in it, um, and that's the scene at the window uh, where why can't Woody just jump out of the window with Buzz? Mm-hmm. Whereas where Buzz fell out because the window earlier and survived and was totally he fine. can't jump out because then you couldn't have Walshawn go. Buzz, the monkeys aren't working. The monkeys. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so to me, to me, yeah, uh, to me, there's that. That always is like the scene where I'm like, ah, like he could just jump out of the window. Like I wish they. I mean, it's. It, it doesn't ruin the movie for me, but it's still just like, oh man, I like. I wish. I just want the movie to be actually just completely perfect, and that's the one thing for me that I, can't be. Toy Story three. If somebody said to me it's their favorite animated movie of all time. It's the best Toy Story movie. It's one of the best things I've ever seen. I would have no argument from you. I'd agree on all all of it. Oh that. yeah, I think it's 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 very frustrating because you're watching something that shouldn't exist. You're watching a third movie, fifteen years after the fact, that is somehow more creative than anything else that has come out in years. <laughs> somehow more more emotional and somehow more raw. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's staggering. It's a piece of staggering genius. Like Toy Story three is a is a genius piece of filmmaking. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how else to explain it other than that. And and it's funny to see Pixar's trajectory to there, right? So he mm-hmm. they start with Toy Story and then Bugs Life, which I think is their worst of the first batch of like ten. Yeah, or so movies. They're, they're still it's figuring, a good movie. They're, it's they're a still movie, figuring it out. It's yeah, they're still figuring it out. And then they do the second one. Then they do Monsters Inc., which I think is a, one of their top three best movies ever. And then they do. I think I forget. I think it's Nemo is the next Nemo. one, which is um, Nemo's yep. perfect. And then you know you have the Incredibles, Car- Cars, and Incredibles, which felt a little bit more like uh, you know passion projects, maybe. But I think still good movies. I'll tell you what, though. I think The Incredibles is the most important Pixar film since Toy Story. It wasn't my favorite because of the superhero, like um, kind of. Just because it because I I agree. Brad Bird's a genius. I do. Mm-hmm. And I, you look at it, and he's he's making an animated film that feels like a live action film. Yes, and Exa- yeah, and it, yeah, exactly. And I think that came out before. Was that before Cars or after Cars? Uh, Which one before, came first? before Cars. Cars was right like before a, Cars. Yeah, Cars yeah, was Cars like, was like a, a slide something. backwards a little bit in that respect. Yeah, well, yeah, Cars was a yeah. Talk about a passion project, but I mean a, a good serviceable passion project. It's, um, a f- it's a fun film. It's it's a fun yeah. it's a fun Disney film that doesn't quite hit me as like a Toy Story did. Yeah, well, well then, well then they do Ratatouille, which some people say is their favorite Pixar movie. It's um, very dark. Then, it's it's a it's like a it's it's like a Don Bluth film. It is. It is yeah. very dark. And then you have Wally, which is probably even darker. Oh goodness. <laughs> and then you have Up, yes. which is the most uh, <laughs> up, up is important because I think people didn't realize animated movies could be emotional like that. And that first uh, little montage where his wife dies, um, I think is is crucial to setting up what Toy Story 3 and they were already in production on this movie but yeah it was the next year but I think it's important to set up what I think they realized was capable as far as the emotional stakes of a movie that um, not only it, I mean up we were crying knowing this person for 10 minutes mm-hmm. Toy Story 3 we've known them for 15 years at this point. yes well, so um, I think and no one died but just this weird 
and, and Toy Story 2, I think, kind of volleys it to Toy Story 3. Um, the, it sets up uh, the toys, especially Woody, as like a parental figure. I mean, this is a kid who doesn't have a dad, right? Well, that's – okay, okay. You, you brought it up, and yeah. let's get into that in a second. But I want to finish off with Toy Story 3 because it does – go into Toy Story uh, 2 yeah. and 1. And I think I think this might even be a good way to start wrapping this up. Um, Toy Story 3 has the trash compactor scene. And, oh, yeah. And I got to tell you something. I've told this story before to people. Um, I was in the theater uh, during a first showing of this. I, I, and I got to tell you something. I don't think I've ever been in a theater before where something happened spontaneously. And that is when the trash compactor scene happened, and we all know what happens. It's it's a very it's mostly silent, right? I would say it's what two minutes of silence, yep. with just just the music, just music, just storytelling. Which facial expressions? Yes. And Pixar had been building up to this for years. They have, like I said, the beginning of Up, like half of Wally, silent silent animated storytelling, and they do it better than anybody. Um, the moment you know the claw comes out and saves them, and the music swells, and it becomes that very just powerful emotion, which I heard is based on a. Again, I heard it's based on Star on Star Wars. People literally jumped out of their seats in the theater and applauded. Never, I have never yeah. experienced a type of euphoria in the theater like that because people care about these characters. They're concerned about them. They're worried Plus about the comedic, them. The comedic callback of the claw, on top of the, <laughs> the, the aliens, the claw. Like we told you, it was the yep, claw. the claw. <laughs> but no, Toy Toy Story three is just a phenomenal film. And what's funny is that not that I. We didn't even talk about box office, but Toy Story 3, a couple things. By far the biggest grossing movie of 2010. Nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Yep. First time since was, or no, Up, I yeah. think Up was also. Yeah, but, Up was too. And before that, it was uh, Beauty and the Beast. And that's it. the only three. And, and that's it. Yeah. Um, it was the highest rated movie ever on Rotten Tomatoes. It was the highest grossing movie of any of the stars involved careers. Like on every and everything you could make, it was it was superlative. Everything this movie, like the audiences connected with this movie, but they couldn't have connected if they didn't like the first two. Yep. Like, and that's that's why it's so difficult for me to to categorize which one's the best because I don't think they exist without each other. Yeah. And I don't. And the fact that the original Toy Story set so many precedents so well, I think speaks volumes to how great the first movie was. Totally. Yeah, and and I mean we t- we kind of talked uh, bad about four, I guess, a little bit, but um, at the same time, like four, I think just didn't have. I mean, I don't think Lasseter was Lasseter even involved. No, in no. One? In fact, that's that's what we're. He was. His name was on it, but I think. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the conspiracies, let's just get the let's get the eight hundred pound gorilla out of the room, and that is John Lasseter. Yeah. Um, he was let. Who's, by the way, still never been con- uh, charged with anything. Yeah, like. To say. I apologize if you disagree with. I think Ethan, you and I probably agree on this. Um, I apologize if anybody's offended by this um, that we're not jumping to conclusion and, and throwing people to the the pit, the you know, into the fire. But I'm kind of on Team Lassiter because I, I, they've never presented me with an honest opinion about why I should not like him. They've said vague things that he hugged people, and they let him go from from Pixar. And I don't think that's enough to con to convict someone. I, I need more than that before well, I'm going to hate someone. Well, not only has he n- never been charged with any anything legally, um, when he, he has this new company now with Alan Menken. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't even think know if it's his company, but before... Well, he's working, hired, with, uh, he's working with J.J. Abrams, isn't he? Or Sony? Yeah, or, or what, yeah. what was the... It was a, it's not... It was the company... Was it the company who did... Um, it's a video game company. Who is he working with now? It's... I Because I haven't heard anything... Because there was a petition to get him, get him gone. 
Yeah, I think it was... <clears throat> was it a company who made Curse of Monkey Island? It was, like, one of those... That was Lucas. Skydance, that's what it's called. Skydance, Sky that's what it was. Yeah, but, but they looked into to make sure that there wasn't even anything settled out of court that he had just... You know, because he wasn't charged with anything legally, but they also looked did an investigation before hiring him to see if there is anything yeah. um, that he had settled out of court, and there was nothing. No one had ever approached him yeah. with any sort of anything. Yeah. Um. And uh. And like, I mean, obviously, if somebody feels uncomfortable about something, like that's your right to feel uncomfortable about exactly. someone's treating you. Um. I do know. I mean, I'm from the Bay Area. My, I'm kind. You know, I have my parents know. A couple of people, of course, who worked at Pixar. Um, one of which was a woman, and she said she actually quit because she couldn't take it. Um, after they fired him or let him go or whatever, they she didn't want to work there if he wasn't going to be there. Yeah. Um, and there and there's a couple other people who followed suit. Um, well, there was, like I said, this you have to remember, and I think the audience needs to remember is that when this happened, this was during the Me Too fervor, of yes. which of which, and I, again, I'm not to minim- trivialize people's experiences. If you've been, yeah. if you've been you know, affected by that, I please, by all means, speak out. But I don't feel um, that what I've heard about John Lasseter rises to the level that I should automatically disrespect this man's career. Yeah. And I don't, and not because I like him or anything. I, I don't know him. But if you're going to destroy someone, you need more than just innuendo with nothing to validate it. It, it doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. Well, well, the problem is that no one thinks when people are rich, they don't think that um, they're going that they're they think they're untouchable. They're like, oh, what's OK? We fire him. He still got a billion dollars. But it's mm-hmm. like, no, but it's it's not just about that, though. I, I mean, well, you, you can still you, can, you still shouldn't you still shouldn't be cruel to rich people. You know, like, I mean, to, to associate to associate Lasseter with like a Weinstein is one thing. But sure. it, but it has come out, and I'm not going to get into it right now. But there has come out like some of early allegations against certain people have turned out to be false. Yeah, many people actually, quite a bit. And so, it it's one thing to be on the right side of history, but hi- there are no sides to history. There are, there's there's good things and there's bad things, and you should treat everyone. You should treat every human being like a, like you'd want to be treated, and all that stuff. And when it comes to Lasseter, though, I think more dynamically, I think we can say that since he was exited from the company, both. Uh, he was in charge of both Pixar and the Walt Disney Studios animation. Um, and he was the uh, creative director of California Adventures Park. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. If you haven't done it yet, anybody listening, go read about uh, how Lasseter's ascendancy from being fired from Disney to controlling it all. Uh, revel- just he, This man was responsible for helping populate Hayao Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli films. He was responsible for rehiring 2D animators that had been fired by the previous administration, for restructuring the Disney theme parks, for helping create CG animation, for so much. Like, he, he literally is the most influential animator since Disney. And and it, it feels it feels like a loss to the industry when he's gone. And, I, and can I be honest with you, Ethan? I think you can see it in the product. I think the product is yeah. mediocre now. Um, well, it's I'm not, just like when Disney left. I mean, it's yes. When it's, Disney it's, left, there's a huge drop off. I think um, another example, if you follow technology at all, and I've spoken about this, is Steve Jobs and Apple. You know, since Steve Jobs passing in 2011, I don't think Apple has been the company that, it, that they were when he was alive. I, yeah. I don't think it's there. And you know, what, what were the last couple batch of uh, Pixar films without Lasseter? You had. Um, just this year, you had what was it? You turning had uh, red. turning red. This year, you had Luca. last year Luca onward. You know, you had um, Soul. Soul. Well, Soul was the last. Soul had his name on it. That was Soul. Pete Doctor though wrote that. Um, but 
but they did thank him and they did thank Lassiter in the credits. So he was, and I will say he was involved. I, I know, I know we've talked about, uh, soul, soul is good. I like soul, but it's soul. I mean, soul is, I mean, it's an, it's an adult movie. It's not for kids for sure. Oh, um, you think kids can't identify with a 50 year old middle-aged man's <laughs> ambitions? It's a great, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not my favorite Pixar movie by a long shot, but it is a, really, um, I think it's a really well done movie. Um, it, just the way it, the, I, I'm not an inside out fan. I think that's, kind of overblown but talk about an annoying character who ruins a movie but it had richard you hear about richard kind's character no talking, no, no i'm talking about um the one who plays sadness the from the office phyllis oh phyllis yeah i forget her, her real name phyllis no one, smith i think it's actually i think her name is phyllis yeah um that character i, I literally i um i it was un, it made the movie unwatchable to me and i know it's a great concept it's it's a lot of it was a, it was a, it. it was a great concept when it was a tv show called herman's head yeah, and that too. <laughs> or, 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 it was a great concept when Woody Allen made a movie about it called "Everything You Want to Know About Sex." Yeah, oh, or that. Well, was Herman said was that late eighties? Late eighties, and it starred half the cast of The Simpsons. <laughs> Actually, no, it was like nineteen eighty nine, ninety. I used to watch that too. I used to, yeah. I used to love Herman said. Yeah, it was before my time. I've never seen. It. I don't think it's available anywhere. Uh, it's hard to find, but it's 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 a it's one of those shows that was destined to failure, but it. It helped bring forth some of the talent, so I got to give it yeah, credit. Uh, yeah. The woman who played Lisa was one of the the characters. Huh. Okay. So uh, Lisa Simpson, I'm sorry, but um, yeah. but yeah, Soul, Soul, but Soul had the vibe of Pixar. It had that special feeling. Yeah. But goodness gracious, I, I'm going to sound like a nerd. But you look at the animation quality and how innovative it was, and we didn't even talk about this. There's so much we didn't talk about. Yeah. But um. You look at what they called, um, well, what they call it? I want to make sure I get it right. Emotional realism versus photorealism. Mm-hmm. Toy Story doesn't look photoreal. Sometimes it does, but the characters and everything, you know, you know what the uncanny valley is. The idea yeah. that that you have, like, Woody doesn't need to be photoreal, but the animators are able to capture the the essence of Tom Hanks's performance and Tim Allen's face, and it looks great. It looks absolutely great, and you it, you see that improved in animation, especially with Toy Story two. Like, what a monumental jump, though! In what four years? It's crazy. Yeah, it um, is crazy. Yeah, and just like, and for better or worse, I think because, like I said, there's some there's some texturing in the first movie that I think has still never been duplicated. Just attention to detail that's not even important to the story at all. But yeah, I just. Well, do you remember yeah. the scene in part two when they're crossing the road to Al's Toy Barn yes. and they cause the accident? Yes. And there's a little scene, and the way the camera swings, again, you couldn't do this in traditional animation. Uh, animators call that, they call it uh, etamorphics, where the idea is that you can use shading and you can use um, design to make a 2D object look 3D. Mm-hmm. And, like, so you don't necessarily need 3D glasses, but the movie, like, the way camera angles are, it looks like it has a dimension to it. Sure, yeah. And the scene when they're they're rolling, and the scene when Mr. Potato Head's foot gets caught on the bubble gum, and then you see the thing, you see the the big cannula thing roll, and then if you look carefully, you'll see the bu- it, the bubble gum get stuck to it and start rolling with the cannula. Mm-hmm. It's a little detail like that. Didn't need yeah. to be there, but it's little things like that that, and of course the sound effects. That I told you the sound the sound design in these films is off the charts. But how many times do you think they recorded someone just making sound effects like, or you know? And just pop, because there's so much of that. There's so much of that in these movies. Yeah. Just little pops. It's crazy, and it's so much fun to listen to. Yeah. The yeah. It's and and um. By the way, I I always say that the best um the last good Disney movie, and that's Disney goes over Disney or Pixar was Ralph Breaks the Internet, which I think is 
one of their best movies they've ever done, and no one's going to tell me I'm wrong. That was the last movie that John Lasseter worked on, by the way. Was it? Yeah. But he was credited on others, because that was 2018, right? Yeah, that and Incredibles 2 were the last two. He had a producer credit on, I should say. Okay. That was 2018, though. He was let go in, what, 2019 or 2018? It was probably later, late 2018, maybe. Maybe it was 2019. I thought it was 2018, though. It is sad, though, because you watch um, you watch some of these Pixar films, and you, lo- you look at Onward, and you look at Onward, you look at Luca, and, and I hate to say this. This is going to make me sound, like I said, a nerd, but they don't look as good. They look flat. They don't look expressive. They yeah, and I, I and in like something like Onward, you can get away with it because they have like blue faces or whatever. But um, yeah, Luca. I mean, like I, I I've said this before. Like we just accept now that humans in animation look like little rubbery creatures. Like why why have why are we not trying to improve like human textured skin texture in animation? Like I've st- I haven't seen a movie where uh, uh, a computer animated movie where the skin texture looks decent. Well, I wonder if that's because it's because um, so much of CG animation is like interspersed between different companies, because Maybe. because when Toy Story came out, there was Pixar, and I think there was like a, a version of PDI that was still existed from the eighties, but um, but now you have Blue Sky, you have Skydance Studios, you have all Illumination. these different Illumina- and you had um, who made Ice Age? Uh, let me see, because I think they well when Disney bought um, Fox Studios. They actually oh, yeah. they put the they put the animation studio out of business. They shut them down. Oh, oh blue okay. blue sky blue sky. Oh, it was really okay. Yeah, I thought it was okay. But if you watch the new Ice Age movie that just came on Disney Plus, it's wretched. It's, the scat one or whatever. Uh, let me double. Or check. the one before that. It's called the the Adventures of Buck Wild. Ice Age Ice Age movies, the old ones are pretty good. Yeah, they're um, pretty they're, they're pretty fun. good. They're fun at the very least. Um, but they, yeah, they got they, good performances, but. Yeah, and I think there's more. I think there's more good Ice Age movies than there are good Shrek movies, which is a shame. I think there are two good Shrek movies. Yeah, well, the um, Puss in Boots one's okay. I like that one. I so two and a half. But yeah, so the like the new Ice Age movie was made by a, another animation studio, and it's like television quality animation. It's terrible. Really? Yeah, it's it's really really hard to watch oh, because it it's such a downgrade. <clears throat> but um, I'm not saying that like I'm not saying that modern Pixar films don't look good. They look colorful. They look fine. But the the camera the cameras don't move like they should. There's no there's nothing original in the storytelling. There's no the, the cleverness is not there. They feel like Disney films, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But they don't feel like Pixar films. They really do not. They don't they don't have that magic touch. They don't have that element. They they feel generic. I agree. And you know, and I think that's probably where we have to just talk about the elephant in the room. The other elephant in the room besides Laster, and that's Toy Story Four. Now I was actually in. I actually was in California during. I actually I remember. Yeah, we yeah, we met the next day. I think. Yeah. I, well, I full disclosure. I was invited to a press event. We were part of the first audience to see it at the El Capitan. The movie is fine. Yeah. But it's unnecessary, and in some small way, I think it actually does some damage to the brand because it undoes some of the emotionality of the yeah, second, particularly the second film. It doesn't retcon anything pl- like plot wise. But it takes Buzz out of the movie, like, he's he's relegated to, like, 10% of screen time, I feel like, for the duration of the movie, and it's mostly about Woody, whereas, like, the second movie, it had Woody and Buzz, I think they're pretty even in that They separate um, them, like, they do separate yeah, them separate, for the most part. which is fine, but, like, in the fourth one, I mean, they try to give Buzz, like, his own little thing, but it's really not the rescue mission thing, it's kind of just copies notes from the second movie and then even then it's like really 
it feels shoehorned. I, I don't love the fourth movie. I don't hate it. it it's there are some moments in it that I think are are hysterical when the yeah. dad's trying to drive, when the toys are driving the car, and then everyone's freaking well, out. And anything with Keanu Reeves is funny. So funny, and He's, then Jeff Garland's character with the I forget his name, the prickly pants guy, or no, or not the, him, the other one. But he he has some really good lines in there. It's almost, but there, it feels I can't help but feel like character wise, there's a little bit too many cooks in the kitchen like they're trying they don't know how to utilize they always add characters to everyone right and then Mm -hmm. this time it feels like it's almost too many it feels like too many and i but i think the the biggest crime of toy story 4 is the crime of most of these new movies coming out for anything star wars has been guilty of this star trek has been guilty of this yeah um let's kill off and i don't mean necessarily kill as in kill but although sometimes i mean it um, you, the audience has a relationship with these existing characters, and we are going to use that for emotional resonance. Again, in the new Star Wars films, they kill off all the original cast because it because it's yeah. cheap. Because you already have these emotional connections, they don't need to make new characters. They're there to replace. And this is a cynical exercise in craft storytelling for marketing. I remember the first time I ever noticed this, Ethan, and I'll cut to the chase. Again, Transformers, the animated movie with Orson Welles. That's right. Rosebud. They killed off the cast. You watch the movie, all your favorites are dead in the first 30 minutes. Why? They're replaced with new toys you can buy. Crass. Yeah. And you know what happened? Didn't work. So guess what happened? The return of Optimus Prime. <laughs> they all came back to life. <laughs> hey, it um, works, though. It does and work. In Star Wars, it, Star Wars, it works because people will still buy all of the Star Wars toys because the world is so expansive. But yeah, it doesn't, really, doesn't really quite work the same way in other stuff. But you watch like the new Star Wars, the sequel films, and they all made a billion dollars. I don't think any of these films are beloved. I think, if anything, I think the damage to the brand has been tremendous. And I think, yeah. I think it's one thing to say... I want to see a Star Wars movie because it's magical and mystical and we don't get a lot of them. Now I can watch Star Wars TV shows, but they're all prequels about characters they've had to resurrect because they've killed them all in the movies. Except The Mandalorian, which, by the way, is the best TV show I've seen yeah, but it's, in my but entire it's, life. But it's still a prequel. You know, yeah, I know, like events-wise. Yeah, it takes place after Return yeah. of the Jedi. And sure. you saw what happened with the Boba Fett show, and I haven't watched it myself, yeah, but, you know... I saw it. Was, yeah, like, I watched the show. Yeah, we had to get a fat Boba Fett who was previously dead. And then, yeah. and then forget about him and put the Mandalorian back in there for a while. Yeah. Well, and those are the best episodes, too, were the Mandalorian one, the ones. Where, have you seen – do you watch Mandalorian? No, I haven't watched any of them, but I, but I do oh, – it's so good, dude. But, you got to see it. But here's the thing. Though, hear me out, though. But then what was the biggest attention it got is when Luke Skywalker showed up. Yeah. Like, we have to, we have to keep resurrecting characters we, we abused – yeah. And 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 that's well that's what Toy Story was. Toy Story yeah. had a relationship that's very specific said we're not going to separate each other. Oh, we're separating. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. You know, I'm going to leave you now because I'm gone. And 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 to be honest with you, Toy Story 3 has about as perfect an ending as any film ever made. Probably the best ending of any film ever made. Yeah. I don't know if you agree like Oh, yeah, oh yeah, 100%. Like honestly like, that moment you think yeah. that that Woody's going to like wink or smile Mm-mm. And oh, he doesn't do it. The mo- Toy Story three ends with you know spoiler Andy giving up his toys reluctantly, moving on, and then you think it's all sad, and then it turns into this joyous celebration yeah. for like five minutes, and then it ends with the Gypsy Kings, fantastic <laughs> version of "You Got a Friend in Me," and you you leave the theater happy, and you're like, you know what? Yeah. The time I've spent with these characters, these fifteen years, has been all worth it. This has been a good part of my life. Yeah, and I get to say goodbye to them. You cry a few times. 
I don't think I've ever been in a film where people cried more. No, I don't think so either. And they all admitted really it don't. too. And but yeah. but it was earned though. You oh, earned yeah. it. Like these characters, you you like these characters, and you wouldn't even mind seeing them again in like little shorts. Yeah. But the but the but the movie Toy Story four I think undoes some of that, and I don't think it's merited. And I think you can kind of forget that it exists. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you yeah, it be doesn't. It, it doesn't ruin. It doesn't ruin the other three for me at all because no, uh, I won't let my kid watch it. But um, you know. Because I don't want him to think that that's canon. But, but it is, though. It is. And that's... <laughs> but I don't want him to think it is, to know it is, I should say. Well, you know what you could do, though? You could you could introduce it as an example of sometimes you go too far. Yeah, this is a, it's a, I can just say it's a fan-made project. And by the way, I would, I would call all of the new Star Wars films and all the new Star Trek stuff and all this new stuff fan fiction. I, all of it. I don't think any of it's canon. Yeah. I don't. I don't yeah. agree with any of it. Um, yeah, we're we're slow. We're slowly uh, undefining what canon means. I think because of just the era we're in right now, and and unless you're doing something like Marvel, where you're like super tightly winding everything together, binding everything together, um, I don't think it really means what it used to mean. I will say this before I head out, though. Um, Toy Story 2 did give me my favorite quote, my favorite line of dialogue in all mm-hmm. of the... And I, I had that little thing, and this is totally out of context, but tell me if you, if you remember this line. You remember? Here's my last clip. Here we go. Okay. Wait a minute. You turned on the TV last night, not Jesse. Look, we have an eternity to spend together in the museum. Let's not start off by pointing fingers, shall we? You really are Stinky Pete, aren't you? <laughs> My favorite line is, you really are, Stinky Pete. Oh, with man. A, with a, the great Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, what a joy, though, it has been to revisit these films and, and, and yeah. to bring back all these memories. And, and to say, Toy Story, what a magical technical performance and what a magical movie. And Toy Story 2, like, to, to see it build on it. And then Toy Story 3 to be so overwhelmingly accepted. And you say to yourself, I wasn't the only one who felt that way. These really were magical films. They still are. But you you almost feel bad because you you feel like this era of Pixar is over, and yes, yeah. but it can't last forever. Can't last forever. The Disney Renaissance didn't last forever. The this didn't last forever. But you know. But I wonder who I wonder who's inspired by these films and what what the next yeah. wave is going to be because I do sure. think I do think, you know, like in Toy Story three, there was a Totoro from Hayao Miyazaki's My yeah. Neighbor Totoro. And you, you read about the relationship there. And when they were making Turning Red, the Chinese girl who made the film, I don't know her name, Zhao, what was she, her name? She? Something she, Domini, she or something? Yeah, she was an immigrant from China, you know, refugee, and she was inspired by this. And you could, I mean, you can clearly tell the influence of, like, Totoro and Miyazaki all over that film, whether you like it or not. I mean, it's, pre- it's pretty, pretty evident. Yeah. You know, a working title of Turning Red was actually called My Neighbor Tontoro. I mean, my neighbor, uh, Toronto. Sorry, Toronto. Oh, Toronto. that's a good one. But I mean, yeah, I don't love the film, but yeah. this, but for better or for worse, these, this is the new generation of Pixar films, and I'm, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's something there that we're not seeing, but yeah, but couldn't have happened without Toy Story. No. And um, there's nothing stopping you from watching it. Although I do recommend buying the film on a physical media because I'm really, really scared that Disney will go back and try to upgrade the visuals or upgrade, yeah. you know, or remove problematic actors. Like, 
yeah, problematic actors. That's like half, like half of the voice cast of Toy Story is Republican, by the way. Yeah, and Toy Story Two, by the way. Yeah. Was it Lasseter Republican? I know one of them I don't was. Know. John Ratzenberger is. Tim Allen is. Don Rickles had to have been. <laughs> Don Rickles is Rickles. Yeah. Um, no, it's crazy though. It's I just I just don't want them touching it because Disney yeah. does have a habit of going back and touching things, and um, I don't want them to. I don't want them to fix the CG. The CG is fine. I love yeah. the CG in Toy Story. Well. Oh, I love so it. So good. I love it. It's so charming. Well, it's like you're watching you're watching something new. Yeah. You're watching you're watching a creation of something new and I want it to stay that way. I like the way it looks. I think it looks yeah. great. Yeah. And it makes Toy Story two by comparison look better and Toy Story three look fantastic. Yeah. And by the way, Toy Story four looks pretty damn good. Yeah. It so does. but that being said, uh I think we could talk about this for another twenty hours and not even be exhausted. So, any final thoughts about Toy Story or Toy Story the trilogy? Or... I mean, there there are no final thoughts. <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna say it's it was it's the most refreshing cinematic experience I think uh, for me, and I could never get old, never get tired of it. I don't disagree. I think Toy Story. I think the entire trilogy is magical. Um, but there is yeah. something special about the first movie. Yeah. You you feel like you're witnessing something new. And I don't mean necessarily the CG. I mean you're witnessing like a new evolution in the way animation can tell a story. And and I'm very grateful that um that it's still around. I'm really grateful that you picked this film because you gave me a chance to go back and watch it again. Yay. Yeah, that's awesome. And ex- I don't have kids like you do. <laughs> I can't just well, put now, it on. Now you're gonna now you're just gonna watch it every weekend just for fun though. Can I be honest with you about one thing though? There is one other Pixar movie I think compares to this, like in just scope and mm-hmm. breath. Uh, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but for some reason I get I get a lot of the same tingles when I when I think of Finding Nemo. Nemo is a great movie. Um, <clears throat> I think you can make a case that it's the best Pixar movie. I, it's not my favorite, and I still think Toy Story three is better. But um, just pound for pound, it's a perfect movie. I, there's nothing wrong with Nemo at all. No, no. I mean I. There are moments of Nemo that I think are masterful. And the music I, is so mm-hmm. good. Just yes. The ambient music. Oh, man. It's it's very it's a very good movie. See see what we're doing? We're getting off base because it's just all Pixar magic. <laughs> Pixar's awesome. Pixar's uh, awesome. It, it, that's why it's so heartbreaking, the stuff that they're putting out. But, I mean, it's still better than Disney. Let me put it that, that much. At some point, there will be no distance between the two, and that would be, <laughs> and that would be sad. Yeah, yeah. See, Steve yeah. Jobs, you should have sold it to Sony. No, you, you oh, crazy. Please, no. But I think I think this is a good time to wrap up. So yeah. I want to thank everybody for sticking it out and listening to these two these two guys talk about Toy Story 1995's Toy Story, uh, the first feature animated film from Pixar, the first CG animated film, and one of the best films ever made. Holds up, never not going to hold up forever and ever. That's my story, yeah. and I'm sticking to it. Uh, this has been Nathan Evans, managing editor of popzara.com, and that other guy you hear is da, 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 Mr. Ethan Brem. Ethan, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. And with that, we will leave everybody to a little song and dance. And we will see everybody next time. Bye-bye. Hay un amigo en mí. Hay un amigo en mí. Cuando salgan a volar. Hay un amigo en mí. Sí, un amigo en mí. Hay un amigo en mí. You've been listening to the PopZara Podcast. For more quality original content, check out PopZara.com for the latest reviews and previews in gaming, movies, tech, and more.